0: Hello, welcome back, this is Moses Gumadi and uh, we are in the series Be Ye Transformed and uh, today the lesson is about understanding the cross of Christ, understanding the cross of Christ. Just let's do a quick review of what we have covered in the first lesson. We looked at what is God's purpose, why am I here? What is God's purpose? And we looked at several uh, things. Uh, To love God, to build character, to serve the Lord, to grow in his knowledge, to become like Jesus, to perform good works. Focus being to become like Jesus. That is the goal uh, of Christians. And we looked at the obstacles and uh, we saw a lot of things. Ignorance. External observances, false priorities, fleshy lusts, even Satan hinders us. But above all, our own sin nature is really uh, the biggest obstacle and even Satan acts through that. So then let's look at understanding the cross of Christ. I want to talk about three things in this lesson. Three things. Firstly, that there are two natures in man, two natures in man, and this includes unbelievers. There is a, a certain, uh, there is a certain understanding by a certain group of Christians that uh, the unbeliever has only but one nature, the sin nature, and is altogether corrupt and totally depraved. Of course, they are. But Uh, Only the believers have two natures and the unbelievers have only one nature. That is the understanding of many Christians, actually. But this is wrong. This is wrong, as I will show you, and this should change your attitude towards unbelievers as well and also help you understand what really the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life as a Christian and what is the meaning of the cross Uh, And uh, what did he accomplish on the cross? Uh, And that we will cover uh, in this lesson. So there are two natures in man. We know Paul taught the doctrine of the original sin, as it were. Basically, it means that by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, by one man. Remember, people talk about individuality. They think that, oh, I'm just on my own, I can do whatever I like, and uh, of course, uh, everybody and I respect others' individuality as long as they don't harm me and I don't harm them, we can pursue our own things. I mean, it sounds very nice, Uh, and that is how the structure of capitalism is built on. But we need to understand that one guy sinned, Adam. And remember, you're all suffering, we are all suffering, I am suffering. All of the world suffers because of one man's sin. Why? Because the whole human descent, as it were, is like a tree from a single root. And at the root of it lies Adam. And because of Adam's sin, the whole tree that developed from Adam, the branches, etc., we are all the people we inherit sin and this we must remember therefore you know people say why should we suffer for the reason of uh, our forefathers or you know somebody else did this and why we should be subject to um, uh, you know the punishment of what people make all these kind of arguments but you you ought to remember that it is a, there is a connection no one on this earth has brought himself or herself into existence. You have parents. You see, if you look at the Ten Commandments, there are two commandments which are very important. The first commandment, obviously, about the Lord. Uh, first four commandments, they, they talk about him and, and his Sabbath, of course. And the fifth commandment is about the parents. Every person has existence in this world because of two reasons. One, of course, God, and second, your own parents. So this is a tree that goes back to a single man, Adam. And because uh, he sinned, we all bear the consequences. We also have obtained a similar nature. That's the point. And so Adam's son, Cain, When he brought an offering to the Lord, and his brother Abel also brought an offering to the Lord, the Lord rejected Cain's offering. His heart was not good. In fact, the scripture says that he rejected him, Cain, not so much the offering, because the attitude was not right. You know, we can argue all about what kind of offering should have been there. He should have probably brought a blood offering and all the rest of it. And it well may be true. But the point really is that the reason why the Lord did not accept Cain's offering is because of his attitude. His heart wasn't right. And so he wasn't accepted as you can see him. If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted. Will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lieth at the door and unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him. So here is the point. Sin lies at the door of your heart. Sin is an entity. It deceives, it kills. You read Romans chapter 7, there are verbs associated with it. Sin behaves like though it is a conscious entity. And it rules over people. And it brings people under its subjection. It deceives, it kills. And all that we have read. Uh, we, We can read actually in Romans chapter 7. Here, sin lies at the door and the Lord tells Cain you must rule over it or rule over him, sin. That means there are two elements. Cain has the capability to, at least has a faculty with which he can overcome. Otherwise, the Lord wouldn't tell him, thou shalt rule over him. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, we read, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. And so men have a faculty of keeping under control the other aspect of their personality, which is the sin nature personality. Okay, you have two natures, and you ought to subdue the bad one with the good one. That is the scriptures, and I will show you more about that if you doubt if this is indeed the case. Romans chapter 7 verse 16 and 17. And I suggest uh, if you would like to explore this topic, please do um, read Romans chapter 7. And I I also have a couple of other videos on the subject. You can check out my channel. But let us try to cover as much as we could in this uh, lesson. Romans 7, if if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. If then I do that which I would not, if I end up doing which I don't want to do, then it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Okay, and so obviously there are many Christians who apply this as being applicable only to the Christians. Obviously, you know, we have two natures and uh, which the right thing we want to do we are not able to or the thing that we don't want to do we end up doing because of the sin nature. But this is the same thing with the believers too, unbelievers too, as we shall see. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So there is obviously a sin nature within us. Man is in bondage under his sin nature. Man is in bondage under his sin nature. We will explore this sin nature further. And if a man is bondage under sin, then obviously something else is in bondage under sin, isn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees and the scribes, to the, to the Jews, if you sin, you are a servant of a sin. Everyone that committeth sin is a servant of sin. So the sin nature is ruling over them, but they are the servant. So that shows there are two aspects, aren't there? If there is only one nature, sin nature, then who is it ruling over? Who are they under bondage to? You get the point. Romans chapter 7 verse 1. Let's look at this interesting story now. Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that a lo- the law hath a dominion over a man as long as he lives? Those who were living under the law of Moses, obviously, it has the, the law has a dominion only as long as they live. If a man dies, then the law doesn't apply because he's a dead man. How are you going to force that man to keep the law? So it only, it's only applicable as long as he lives. Similarly, if a woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as the husband is alive, if the husband is dead, then she is loosed from the law of her husband. So she is free to marry. That is what she is, he is saying in Romans chapter 7, verse 3. So then if while the husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Point being, if the woman is married to or has a relationship with another man while her husband is alive, then she would be called an adulteress. Whereas, if she marries another after her husband is dead, then she is free to do so perfectly within the confines of the law. Paul uses this example of the woman and the the husband and the other person, the second person, Takes this example and says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. Look at those two phrases. You also are dead. That is number one. Number two, that you should be married. How come you are dead and at the same time you will be married? Let us look at that. So here is the thing. First husband and the woman. Look at the screen. First husband. Woman is married to the first husband. But the first husband is dead. And then the woman marries the second husband. And so, you are become dead to the law. Who died? The first husband died. So that, you should be married to another. Who is the you now who will be married to another man? The woman. So then, Paul is referring to us as a combination of two things. One, the woman, and the other, the first husband. Our, there are two aspects within us. One corresponding to the first husband, and the other corresponding to the woman. And the first husband is dead. So that the woman is free to marry another, who? Christ. That's the point Paul is making. Okay, let us put names to this first husband and the second husband and the woman, etc. From a story in the Bible which perfectly matches with Romans chapter 7. And that story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 25. You can read the story. I will read verse 3. Now, the name of the man was Nabal. Nabal means fool. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That verse says, Nabal hath said in his heart, there is no God. Nabal means fool. And the name of his wife is Abigail, my father's joy. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful countenance. But the man, Nabal, was churlish and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. So, what's the point? Nabal was wicked, foolish, totally depraved. Abigail is very good, good understanding, beautiful, countenance, wise. And then what happened in the end? The Lord smote Nabal and he died we read read the story we don't have to go through the story now but you can read the story in 1 samuel chapter 25 and in the end when after nabal had died david sends his men when his servants of the david were come to abigail to carmel they spoke to her saying david sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife so david sends a marriage proposal to abigail after her husband had died and then she marries David, there you go here now. the old husband is Nabal, the woman is Abigail and she marries David after Nabal is dead. So then we were talking about two natures and that we were in bondage, we are people are in bondage to the to their sin nature and I will explain. So what are the two natures? your Nabal nature and your Abigail nature, two natures. Even unbelievers have it. And I will explain where this Abigail good nature comes into man in the next lesson. Uh, But for now, we're talking about the cross of Christ. What did he accomplish on the cross? So we have Nabal here, who is become dead. When he died, because law doesn't apply on a dead man, therefore he's dead to the law. So Abigail is free, she's no longer under the law because Nabal, the law applied to Nabal. And then Abigail marries David. This is the picture. So then, what happened on the cross? On the cross, the sin nature was condemned, on the cross, sin nature was nailed to the cross, sin nature was punished on the cross. Where do we get this from? From the Bible. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist looked at uh, Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is a picture of that scapegoat. The goat for Azazel. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 16. On the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. That... The high priest takes two goats and casts lots on it on them, and upon one goat there will be uh, the Lord's lot will fall, and on the other goat the lot of the scapegoat for Azazel. And uh, the goat on which the Lord's lot falls will be sacrificed, while the other goat Uh, will be sent away before uh, the sins of the children of Israel were confessed upon its head. So Aaron puts his hand upon the head of the goat and confesses all the sins of the congregation, the whole Israel, and sends it away into the wilderness. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The sin of the world is taken away far, far away. That is the picture. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You see, in the book of Numbers, we read that uh, the children of Israel were bitten by serpents because they murmured against the Lord and against his servant Moses. And so the Lord sent fiery serpents into their mists and they bit them. Many people died. And they cried unto the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a serpent, a seraph." You know, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, the seraphim, or the seraph, that's the same word. Oh, by the way, seraph, you make yourself a fiery serpent. And then what did Moses do? He made a nechosh, a serpent, with nechosheth, meaning brass. Very interesting, the word Nahash is serpent, nechosheth is brass. A serpent of brass a brazen serpent Moses made an image of a brazen serpent and put it on a pole so that a big one indeed and uh, so that the whole congregation can look at it look at it and they were healed they were healed and so exactly as Moses has lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so shall the son of man the son of man be lifted up the son of man be lifted up so son of man lifted up as what? As a serpent. Why is the serpent picture used? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he was made sin for us on the cross. God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh. When Christ suffered on the cross, it is as though sin nature, the whole sin nature of the entire humanity put together in one. In fact, the entire sin nature of all the humanity is a single entity. It acts in different, many different manner, but is all connected. And that was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his crucifixion on the cross was as though this sin itself was condemned. Our old man, our Nabal, the collective Nabal of all people of the entire world, that old man is nailed to the cross, crucified with him. This is what has happened on the cross. Nabal is crucified. So that our Abiga, our Nabal is crucified. So that counting our Nabal to be dead, our Abigail can now be linked to David, that is Christ, and receive grace from him and behave in a different way. Abigail cannot live in isolation in fact nabal gives a sort of a decept- he deceives abigail into believing that she's on her on her own uh, whereas actually she is under his bondage nabal because she he he wouldn't let her do anything good and so there is no independence either you are under nabal or uh, you are under david that is how it is you can only serve two things. Either you serve God or you serve mammon. Don't ever think that, oh I serve. If you serve yourself, then you serve your false self, which is Nabal. Okay, that's the mammon. You serve mammon. You either serve mammon or you serve God. You Abigail is either married to Nabal or to David. And so when Christ died, the Lord Jesus, on the cross, the father forsook him. The, it says God forsook him. He cried on the, with a loud voice about the ninth hour. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why has thou, why has thou forsaken me? Forsaken. You see the same forsaking. The life of God doesn't flow through us because... We are not connected to God but connected to our false self, the fool, called Nabal. But then we count our false self, the fool, the old man, as dead with Christ and connect to Christ, then the life of God flows through us. And because the whole humanity think themselves to be independent on their own, and then behave according to their own selfish motives and according to their own ego, they are separated. Your sins have separated me from you, saith the Lord in the book of Isaiah. And when Christ bore our sins on the cross, the whole sin, sin nature on the cross, so God separated him as it were. And that is why he cries, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But that is not the end of the story as we know. He rose from the dead and therefore gives us a hope of living a new life as Abigail being married to David. Galatians 2.20, that is why Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I, your I has to be, or my I has to be crucified with Christ for us to, to be able to live the life of Christ. I am crucified. This is ego. You see Christianity is all about the death of ego, the death of ego. The meaning of the cross is that the collective, the individual egos are all put together and nailed to the cross. That's the serpent. Your ego is the serpent, your ego is the sin nature that desires for only yourself. James says in chapter 1 verse 15, the lust conceives and bears and brings forth sin and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Death is a result when you are disconnected from life. And so thinking yourself to be independent and seeking your own stuff and being egotistical is essentially disconnecting oneself from the life of God that flows from the root. Okay. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, now I don't, it's not I that live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the, uh, the life of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, so says the apostle Paul. And so we have it here, the meaning of the cross, that there are three things. Number one, men have two natures, all men, including unbelievers. And then men are in bondage to their sin nature. One nature is in bondage to the sin nature. The good nature comes from somewhere else. I will talk about that in the next lesson. But you, your own real identity is in bondage under your false, stupid, egotistical, nabal identity. And Christ died on the cross so that we can be freed. And this is the meaning of the cross of Christ. And this is fully relevant with our uh, series here, which is about being transformed. You cannot be transformed without understanding this uh, and uh, whatever transformation has to happen has to happen in this manner first of all uh, you know making ourselves crucified like counting reckoning ourselves as being crucified with christ and so we end here by saying i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i christ liveth in me thank you very much for watching this uh, video or perhaps if you are watching or you're listening on the audio and please do subscribe to my channel and uh, like the video, forward it to your friends uh, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you very much.